morning. Hey, I so hope that you came in today praying, Lord, I want to encounter you. Lord, I want to hear from your word. Lord, I want to experience your presence. Because, man, we were just in the presence of the Lord, and we still are. And I'm so grateful for the band because it's like, Lord, you're just so real. Like, thank you for how your Holy Spirit is here, and we can feel you. And it's like, ah, you know, the Chris thing. Chris is like, ah, my goodness. You know, that's what Chris does. So if you're new with us or if you've been here for a while, my name is Misael Gonzalez. And I'm one of the new pastors here, still kind of have been here for four months, but really feels like 10. I feel like it's been forever in a good way, not like in a, like in a bad way. Uh, but it's been awesome. And so I'm the bilingual teaching pastor, and I'm so grateful. And I have to tell you, I just love you guys so much. The conversations that we have with one another is just incredible. I want to share with you a little bit about me. Uh, the other day I had a conversation with, with a lady, and she goes, Now, Misael, I just can't believe how young you are. I just can't believe it. Like, when I heard that you were 32, I was like, wow, you're 32. And I was like, I'm actually 22. And she was like, oh, man, oh, no. And so I was like, please don't have a heart attack. Please don't have a heart attack. <laughs> just. But I'm 22. Uh, my whole family's from Mexico and Spain. And, uh, man, I'm the first one in my whole family to be born in the United States. And it's just such a privilege to be here, uh, to share the word with you, and it's just incredible. Uh, and really, I just want to point you guys to just something really cool about our church. And you might, not, you might already know it, but I just want to share with you again. And it's so cool that we are one church in multiple locations and in two languages. What I mean by that is right now we're on the Owasso campus and there's a Tulsa campus having a service right now. And what's so cool, which really I'm so grateful for the internet, is that right now all over Tulsa County and Rogers County, there are people in their living rooms gathering with us. So if you're in your living room gathering with us, man, this is incredible because you are with us. And not just in English, but also in Spanish. Our church right now has a small group meeting that all that they're studying the Bible and that they're praying and that they're getting to know each other in Spanish. And they're us. It's not like we're starting another church or we're doing another mission thing, but no, it's like us. And it's just the beginning of what we're doing of injecting Spanish into the DNA of who we are. Because our Lord, Jesus Christ, is more than just English. He's more than just American, but he is universal. And our communities that we see around us are English and Spanish and other languages that I wish I could speak. But when we see that, it's like, Lord, man, we got to be a part of that. And I'm grateful that we're a church, that we can do that, that we can gather together in multiple locations, but also in multiple languages. And that's really why this series that we're in is so important. We're in the series called The Church, To Gather in a Changing World. Or in other words, La Iglesia, Congregados en un Mundo Cambiante. And this series is important for us because it's really based off of Hebrews 10, verse 25, that, we, that really tells us that we should not neglect the gathering together. And the reason why this is so important for us to not neglect the gathering is because it's in these moments that we can like see one another and uh, listen to one another in which we can encourage one another and, and challenge one another and, and cry with one another and honestly be able to hold each other accountable in living a life that is worthy to the high calling of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the church is so important because we need each other. 
We need one another to say, man, let's continue on and encourage one another. And so that's what I think is so cool about this series that we get to uh, do that together. And I'm just so grateful. Uh, so thank you. I just wanted to make sure you guys knew who I was and the series that we're in. And so the book that we're going to be in is 2 Timothy. And we'll be in chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 14. So as you're looking for that, as you're looking for 2 Timothy, I want to give you just some context uh, of where we are and maybe even uh, give a little illustration. But the context in which we are in is, is Timothy is actually written by Paul. Now, Paul is this guy who, uh, man, he was someone whose job before was to like kill people who believed in Jesus. Like he was just like, man, I, I'm, that's my job. Like I'm going to kill people who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus. And then he himself has this encounter with Jesus. And it changes everything. And now he goes from someone who's killing people because they believe in Jesus to someone who now is a follower of Jesus and proclaiming the goodness of Jesus. And so Paul is in prison and he's writing this letter to this guy named Timothy. And Timothy is this dude who, who came under the wing of Paul. And really he followed Paul where he went and, and Paul taught him how to share the gospel. And, and Paul taught him how to pastor a church and how to shepherd people. So Timothy was this person who learned very closely uh, with Paul. And so Paul's in prison and he's writing this letter directly to Timothy. And, and when you read First uh, and Second Timothy, you see that it's Paul really talking about these characteristics of a godly leader. These characteristics that's like, man, if you're a leader in the church, if you're a leader at home, this is what it should be like. It should be with humility and with kindness and gentleness. And it just goes on and on. And so that's some of the context that we see in 2 Timothy. And so you might already be there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll start in verse 14. And as we read this and as we look at it, because we're going to read it just chunk by chunk, we're going to see that as the Apostle Paul is in prison, he writes this letter to Timothy, encouraging him to teach and to remind people of the true gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you're writing notes this morning, I want to give you something to write down, and it's this. True belief equals true practice. True belief equals true practice. And so to illustrate this really quick, um, I need a basketball. Does anybody have a basketball out there? That'd be really cool. Oh, you got a basketball? Hey, thanks. Toss that to me. Boom. Nice. Thank you. So, man, I love basketball so much. Like, basketball is, like, my favorite sport. Uh, there's a song about that, but I won't sing it for you. And I just love it. I played it when I was in high school, and it was just so cool. And uh, the thing about basketball is I learned all the super cool tricks, and so I just like doing this for you. Honestly, I just got the basketball so I could show you that I can do this. Uh, it's just, just kind of cool. Uh, but no, seriously, so you have all the reason to believe that I'm holding a basketball, that I have a basketball. Okay, so that's like the belief. It's like, okay, I know Misad. I have all the evidence to, to know that Misad has a basketball. But imagine you if I just got this ball and just like chunked it at you. You'd be like, Hoo! you know, be like, oh my goodness. You'd be like, oh, I, I either got hit or Misad missed or something, but you flinched. Okay, the reason you flinched is because you truly believed I had a basketball. Now, if you didn't believe I had a basketball, you either got like hit in the face because you didn't flinch or move, or you really got hit with the reality that, yeah, no, he had a basketball, and that's actually true. And so this is a silly illustration and an excuse to just spin the ball on my finger to show you that true belief actually does equal true practice. Can I toss this to you again? Is that okay? Thank you. Thank you, Maggie. <clears throat> true belief does equal true practice. What we actually believe is what we actually do. 
And that's what we see in right here in these verses of 14 to 26 in chapter two of 2 Timothy. And so we're gonna read the first couple of verses and, and really this morning we're gonna see at three important things that God establishes and then we'll see as the application three things that the church must do in light of that. And so the first thing that we see in verses 14 to 21 is that God establishes a holy people. God establishes a holy people. So let's read together in verse 14. It says, keep, rem- keep remembering God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of God. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. God establishes a holy people. In verse 14, we see that Paul is saying, hey, keep reminding God's people of what I said. Keep reminding God's people of what I've done. And and some of the things that that Paul is talking about of reminding people as we see kind of in the previous chapters and verses, I'm just gonna read you what Paul is talking about to Timothy because Paul says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. In verse 13 of chapter one, it says, what you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And another thing that Paul's like, hey, remind the people of this. We see it in verse 11 of chapter two. It says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God establishes a holy people and and really Paul is reminding Timothy, hey, remind the people that you're talking to that they are a holy people, that they are absolutely set apart because of my grace, because of what I have done. You see, this this holy people that that is made is is made because of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And, And we see that Paul's like, look, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that the Old Testament continued to point to. He's the one that the prophets spoke about. And in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the one who came to our filth and he died a death that we deserved. And and not only did he just die, but he actually rose again saying, I have power, power even over death. And when he did this, when he did this, he demonstrated something that no other belief can say, that our leader, our treasure, our Lord is not dead, but he's alive that Jesus is alive and he is still alive, which separates us or separates this belief from any other. 
And the reality is, is that Jesus didn't come to just make a better humanity. He made to come a new humanity. We are made new in him. We're not just made better, but we're made new because of what he's done. And, and Paul right here is just telling us, man, we, because we're made new, because we're new creations, we should live in a different way. We should think differently than the rest of the world. And Paul warns it, and he says that because this is who we are, because we're a set-apart people, man, we need to not be a part of these sinful words or, or sinful actions that we see other people do that really tear down both believer and the non-believer. Because we don't want to be people who just tear people down, and we can't participate in these sinful things, but we have to participate in the good things of God we have to participate in his kingdom and, and do things and live in such a way that brings glory to God and, and not ourselves. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, that we are to give, that we are to pray, and that we are to fast in such a way that brings glory to God and not to ourselves. And that's what we see here in this first couple of passages or verses. And then, you know, when I think about this, I think, well, what's some application that we can get from here? Well, application here is that the church must be aware. The church must be aware. And you, you might be asking, okay, Misael, Misael, whatever you want to call me, what does that even mean? What do you mean the church must be aware? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Well, if you look right here, Paul is warning Timothy to tell others, be aware of the heresies around you. Be aware of the people who are teaching falsely around you, the ones who are leading people astray. And really for us, we must be aware of those heresies and we must be aware and know that we actually have to know what the gospel is not so that we know what the gospel is. We have to know this gospel from creation all the way to glorification. And Paul even makes it super evident that these false teachings are spreading really quickly. If you look, he says that they spread like gangrene, which is such an interesting word just to say like a disease. Uh, but this disease is actually a disease that eats up the body, the human body. And if you think about it, if we're the body of Christ and there's false teaching, that eats away at us as the body. And so Paul is saying, man, this thing is just spreads and it spreads and false teaching spreads. And man, we have to stop it. And so he says, stand firm saying, stand firm on your faith, on the triune God and his church. Stand firm. You know, church, we have to be aware. We must be aware of what's going on in our world. Right now, we have a generation called Generation Z. And this generation is growing up in, in, uh, in, a, in a time where it's very postmodern, a time that people are growing up and saying, you know what, I really don't have any spiritual beliefs and I really don't need it. There's these heresies that our, that our generation is, is hearing and listening to, saying, hey, you do you. Hey, just follow your own heart. Hey, you, you do whatever you want. And if you do this, and if you did this, and if you do this, man, you're going to be the best version of yourself. You're going to be a better you. Well, that's false. We don't need a better us. We need an absolutely new us. We need to be transformed by the grace of God, be restored by him. And so my question to you is, are you prepared to encounter this generation? Are you prepared to encounter the people around you? Like if I were to ask you right now, or if you were to sit around your family in the living room and say, hey, uh, share the gospel with me. 
tell me what the gospel is. Like if I, was a, if I were to call out on any of you right now who profess to be a believer in Jesus Christ, could you tell me the gospel right now? And let's get a little bit deeper. And I want you to write this question down because I want you to talk about this hopefully in, in the lunch uh, after the service. So this is my question. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? And if you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, is that truly changing what you're doing in your life? Is your true belief changing the true practice in your life? That's a great question to ask us because the church truly must be aware of who God is, what he's done, and how we are to respond to that. How are we to respond to the Lord? So the first thing that we saw is that God establishes a holy people. The next thing that we're going to see in verses 20 to 21 is that God establishes a holy purpose. God establishes a holy purpose. And we're going to read this together. Starting in verse 20, it says, In a large house there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for any good work. God is the one who establishes a holy purpose. And so when we look at this, we, we look at verse 20, and, and Paul's talking about this large house. And really these two verses is Paul giving a really nice illustration of the church and the people within it. Because Paul is really saying that this large house is the church. And if we keep reading, it says these articles of gold and of silver and wood and clay. And we're like, okay, you know, what, what's this article thing? Well, article could also be translated this plate. So Paul's talking about this plate that people would use to serve. And so you'd use the gold one and the silver one to serve this food to your guests. And then the wood one and the, or the clay plate would be the one to kind of take the trash or leftovers and take that over and dump it. And so what Paul is really illustrating is that it is those who are teaching and preaching the truth. It's those who are in the truth that are the gold and the silver, that they're the ones who are useful to the master, the ones who are made holy, the ones who are of the special purpose to do any good work. And the, and the wood and the clay, they're the ones who are the false teachers. They're the ones who are, in a sense, distorting and, and, and separating the people of God and, and, question, and making people question who they are in God. And what's so fascinating is if you look at this, Paul is saying that both are sitting in the church, that both are sitting within the walls and that we have to be careful. And it's like, no, make yourself holy so it can be instruments for a holy and special purpose. Paul is super straightforward and says, cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself. Well, how do we do that? That's seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, help me. Lord, I see the blind spots in my life. I, I need to be cleansed by you. I need to have this right relationship with you. And so the applicational, the applicational purpose that we see here is that the church not only must be aware, but the church must be available. The church must be available. And what I mean by that is that we must be available and say, Lord, here I am. Being available means, Lord, I, I want to be directed by you. I want to be guided by you. I want to say, uh, Lord, you teach me. I'm going to have this humility. Because I hope that when we read the scriptures, 
Man, I hope that we, in a sense, are not saying, man, I'm gonna make sure the Bible fits my worldview. That is not the case. What should happen is that we should have the Bible change our worldview. It's to change us and transform us. And so we have to be available. And, and the thing is, is that it's not by works that we're saved. It's by grace and grace alone. But man, when we're saved by grace, it's time to go to work. It's time to share this great news of Jesus Christ with people saying, man, there's this gift that I want to share with you. And so I want to be available, God, to do that. But you see, so many times we get really distracted and we don't want to be available to God. And if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, as a human being, I much rather be distracted by the world than to be absolutely directed by the one who created the world. That's me. That's us. We so much rather be distracted than directed by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And, and the thing is, because we are a, a holy people with, with a holy purpose in Christ, that means we have a new home. That means we have a new spirit. We have a new purpose. Man, we have a new and transformed view of life, and we have a new treasure, and that's Jesus. Man, I hope that we are a people that can say, Jesus is my treasure, and I want to be available to him. Jesus is my treasure and my reward, and, and when I pray, I'm not going to pray, God, my kingdom come. Uh, no, I'm going to pray, God, your kingdom come. I'm not going to pray, Lord, my will be done. No, 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 no. I want to pray, Lord, your will be done. Lord, I'm going to seek you. Lord, you're the one I treasure. You're the one who I want to pursue. You're the one who I want to change me because from that, everything else flows. And if we look at verse 19, Paul says, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Must turn away. Man, I want to be available and turn away from my sin. And the thing is, is like to be available doesn't mean to be perfect. I'm not perfect. To be available doesn't mean you have everything worked out in your life, everything's planned out. To be available doesn't even mean that you know how to describe what God is trying to tell you or guide you to do. So when I was 16 years old, uh, I remember being in a worship service. And I, again, I grew up in a really small town called Altus, and I went to this really small church, and I was really naive about a lot of things. Uh, I didn't even know what deacons were until I got in college, like crazy stuff. But I'm sitting there, and I'm and, and I'm worshiping the Lord and, and I'm hearing the message be preached. And all of a sudden, like, I feel this just tug. And it's just real. It's like this real tug. Like, and I'm like, God, what are you doing in my life? Like, why do I feel this tug? And it was so clear. The Lord was like, look, you are to use all of who you are and all of what you have for my glory. All of who you are and all of what you have. And I was like, Lord, I, yeah. Okay, like I, I wanna, I don't know what that means. I have no idea where you're gonna take me in life, but I'm available and I wanna be here. So to be available means, I, Lord, I'm here, use me. I didn't know what that meant. Now I could tell you that it's the call to ministry that I was feeling. And he was awesome, I was so grateful. But I didn't have everything together. I didn't even know what to describe what was happening. But I just had to be available to the Lord. And so the first thing that we saw is that God establishes a holy people. And then God establishes a holy practice. And the next thing that we see in verses 22 to 26 is that God establishes a holy practice. God establishes a holy practice. So let's read this together. Flee the evil desires of youth 
and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to know to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You see, God establishes a holy purpose. Because we're a holy people, because, we're, because we have a holy purpose, man, we are made for this holy practice. And, and Paul continues to say, look, man, you cannot act like the world. You've got to act a different way, and you have to pursue different things. And when we read flee the desires of, of the youth, yes, that does mean these lustful desires that we have as youth and even now. But Paul's also talking about flee from this immaturity that happens. Flee from the immaturity and, and be mature in the faith. Pursue the Lord. And instead of, instead of falling into these desires of the flesh, man, run to the Father. So he's practically saying, man, flee, flee from the flesh, but run to the Father. Run to him. He is the one who is, who is the one that uh, our heart desires. He is the one in which we find love and righteousness and peace. And he is the one who helps us especially when we encounter these opponents of false teaching. He is the one. And, and really, Paul is practically saying, look, Timothy, look, dude, don't be dumb. Just don't be dumb. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember what he's done. Remind other people that we are to do and say and act differently than everyone else. And we're to pursue him and, and run for his righteousness. And what's so interesting is that Paul is telling Timothy and the Lord is telling us that when we encounter these opponents, we're to encounter them gently, encounter them in such a way that glorifies God in hopes that they would come to their senses, that we are to love them in such a way that man, that they would escape the trap of the devil, that they would no longer be captive by his will. That's what we see right here. And so the applicational point that we see in, in these passages is that the church must be aligned. The church must be aligned. So we've seen that the church must be aware, and, and then we've seen that the church must be available. And now we see that the church must be aligned. We must be aligned with Christ in going the same direction as, as Christ, going after and being aligned with his heart, seeking him and seeking his will setting her eyes on him and saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you because you're the one in which I align myself with. You are my treasure, God. I'm supposed to align myself with you in such a way that my ultimate goal is not like earthly success. My ultimate goal is heavenly significance. That I'm supposed to live a life that is significant for your kingdom, but not really the success of my kingdom. Because ultimately, if we're honest, three generations from now, we're all going to be long gone and dead. But God will be the same. God will never change. And God will still be on his throne. And his grace will still be powerful to save. You know, when I think of this, I also think that 
to be aligned with God is to understand and, and come to our senses that we are made complete in him because we are incomplete human beings without God. There's something that our soul longs for and desires that, that can't be answered unless it's God himself because he is the answer to the problems that we have. Because I think, I'm like, Lord, where would I be without your mercy? Where would I be without your grace? Where would I be without your kindness? Where would I be without your gentleness? Lord, where would I be without you? I'd be dead in my sin become sinful and I can't do anything to reach out to him. But he's reached out to me. And he's made me a complete human being. He's made me new. That's what God has done. And so we must be aligned with him, seeking him. You know, this morning, I, I, I so hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you're encouraged that in Christ, because of his grace, we are a holy people. We are a holy people with a holy purpose. And man, that means we should, we should have a holy practice in our lives. I hope that so encourages you, but I hope that this morning you were also challenged. Of saying, man, I need to really self-reflect in my own life of saying, Lord, am I really aligned with you? Am I really aligned with you? And, and because I'm aligned with you, am I aware of what's going on? And because I'm aware of what's going on, Lord, am I available? Am I available to your direction, to what you're doing? And so I have a question for you. What are you practicing? What are you practicing and, and, and what you're practicing, does that line up with what you believe? Because true belief equals true practice. And so some of you in this room, man, you, you're believers. You're like, hey, Misa, like, I believe in Jesus. Like, I, I do that kind of stuff. But maybe you're just like, you know, I just really need to realign myself with him. You know, maybe you're at home and you're like, man, I just, I'm just really not aware of what's going on. I'm really not aware uh, of the heresies going on or maybe I'm not aware of what God has done or, or what he's doing. Or maybe you just haven't been wanting to be available to God. And it's like, no, like I'm not gonna be available to the Lord till your guidance to what you're doing. Man, this morning is a moment for us to repent. This morning is a moment to say, Lord, I'm here. Lord, this is what I believe and this is why, use me. Maybe this morning you're like, Misael, who's this Jesus guy? Misael, I do feel this longing in my soul. Well, man, we are here this morning because he's the one who transformed our life. And so if you want someone to talk to you, at the end of the service, we're gonna have, I'm gonna be right down here and you're, there's gonna be people online on the chat saying, look, I am here to talk about that. Because that is important. Because that changes the entire eternity of your life. And then there might be one of you out there that's like, Misael, I think the Lord is telling me to use all of who I am and, and all of who, what I have. Maybe that's you this morning and maybe that's the call to ministry that the Lord is taking on your life. And I hope for us as a church that when we encounter false teaching, if we haven't already encountered it, when we encounter hardship, I hope that we run to the Father instead of running away. I hope that we run to him knowing that he is the faithful author of creation. 
that he is the one that is powerful and the answer to our lives, our prayers. That's my hope. So let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we take a breath in knowing that you're the creator and the sustainer and the redeemer of all things. Lord, help us. Help us to truly practice what we believe. Lord, we repent before you saying, Father, there's so many ways that we have failed. And Lord, maybe some of us even need to go to someone this morning. Maybe that person's sitting right across from us in the living room. Maybe that person is sitting right in front of us in the auditorium. Maybe that person is just a phone call away. Well, maybe realigning ourselves means reconciling a relationship with others. Lord, help us. Help us, God. Thank you for your word that encourages us and challenges us in every single way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.